Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweller since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey guys, welcome to Chillin' and Calm podcast with me, Jude. And me, John. Right guys, we're at this is a new true crime podcast, hopefully something different on the scene. Um, some cases you've probably heard and hopefully some that you've not. Um, John? Definitely got some of the big guys in though, definitely right. Not Bundy though. Obviously not Bundy because everybody's done Bundy. Everybody has There's done also, Bundy. Like, so many good documentaries about Bundy. Netflix, you should watch Prime. them. Like, well, I may as well binge them. There's no but like, to. some of the big people, because it's like the buff of criminology. Yeah, so exactly. you want to go back and look at them because it's where they get a lot of their information from exactly. to solve further crimes. Exactly. Very interesting. There's nothing like watching a documentary in the house and being like, why did why have they left that fingerprint there? There's no need for it. Exactly. exactly. Like, the best one to watch probably is like Mindhunter. Big fan of that documentary. It's like dramatised a bit, but Great. I think everybody's watched Mindhunter. Yeah, fantastic. Well, anyway, let's jump right in. Um, so our story today starts in 1939, and this was the year that Ronald Harper was born. Now, his mother did abandon him, and because of this, he went to live with a foster family in Hertfordshire in England. He then legally changed his name to Jebson, and he was described as a slightly odd child and had few friends. However, one friend did remain loyal to him throughout his childhood and into adulthood, and his name is Robert Papper, and we'll speak a lot about him in more detail later on. Now, Jebson claimed to have been rejected by his foster parents, and because of this, he then changed his name back to Harper, and after being convicted of a sex crime against children, he then changed his name back to Jebson, and that was purely just to bring embarrassment and shame upon his foster parents. So, Jebson, eh... Uh... Bit of strange fellow. I have no idea why you would have your name as Harper, change to Jebson, change back to Harper, to change back to Jebson. Well, it clearly shows to embarrass his family, so it should tell you the mindset he's in already, that he's not a very good person. I know, but like, like, what is the hassle? Like, how many hoops do you think you need to jump through to change your name legally? See, the, the thing, the first time, I don't think he changed his name. He was just adopted, so that's done for him. So he only needs two, really. And probably if you've changed it to one, then back again, you just go, oh, this is my birth parent's name. It's quite, quite reasonable. 
I'd like to see the last time when he's like, I want to change back. Why? Uh, I've committed some acts that I would really like my foster family to get blamed for. So I'd like to change back. They must have honestly been so upset the way he turned out. Oh, definitely. Who wouldn't he be? I know. Like, that's... Fostering such a, a beautiful thing done right as well. Yeah, but like some people they do it wrong. Not saying they did do it wrong, but like what they came out with at the end is he's a bad egg. So Jefferson was discharged from the army in nineteen fifty eight on medical grounds, i.e. he was addicted to drugs. Uh, he had a wife who was separated from and a fifty year old daughter they didn't get to see much. Uh, they clearly wanted nothing to do with him, as he was known drifter, a drug addict and an alcoholic. We know a little of his life other than the fact that he would sometimes be a driver. So for a good 10 years, we have little idea what he got up to, uh, but being considering his state, probably not much. In 1968, Ronald Jefferson was jailed for two years for decently assaulting a girl aged six. So he went to prison, and then of course they don't have any reform programmes or anything like that for paedophiles or a sex offenders register to put him on. So he's eventually left his end devices, nothing really happened. While in prison, though, Jefferson said to a psychiatrist that he was evil and he was afraid of himself. How right he would turn out to be. On March on seventh of second of March, sorry, nineteen seventy, Ronald Jefferson was just released from Wandsworth Prison. A thirty one year old, he is a predatory paedophile, there's no sex friends or and no one tracking him. So the release from prison in the seventies after being a paedophile. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. No, no, no. Because why should it? It's the seventies. But like the fact that even at police went, hmm, somebody should watch him. I know, but paedophiles could just sneak kids about in their bell bottoms, do you know what I mean? What is a bell bottom? <laughs> it's the way that they try, like, you know how you get, like, skinny jeans? Yeah. And then you get, like, boot cut jeans? Yeah. And then you get, like, bell bottom jeans? No. More commonly seen in the, you know, the kids that hang about outside McDonald's at the four, the four corners in town? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, they're, they're travel, transporting children around <laughs> their jeans and their bell bottoms. Bell bottom jeans. <laughs> the, so they're the really, ones. really, really wide at the bottom. Right. So I'm just saying, like, a small kid could just... So he's, he's, right li- he's lifting his jeans, he's like, oh, shake with some of the wings I've got under there, under that one as exactly. well, some wings under there. See, like a shakedown, see if a police officer is mm. going to shake you down, and then pat him down and be like, oh, there's some, there's a wallet, there's some keys, a hat, a four-year-old, some nappies, everything up there. Well, like 70s. Really, really bad at catching pedophiles or doing it about them. Or doing it about them. Tracking was bad back in the day. Like back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. The pedophiles they just roam free. So Jebson then moves to Enfield, England and he moves in with his childhood friend Robert Papa. Now we don't know the circumstance that led Jebson to living with Robert and his wife Maureen. Um, and we also don't really know what he was getting up to during this period as well. Um, however, we think it may be highly likely that he probably was committing offences against children during that time. Now, in 1970, he was jailed for five years, and that was for sexually assaulting a boy aged 11 at the woods near Nottingham. And he was shockingly released after three years. And now a convicted paedophile, Jebson then goes back to stay with Maureen and Robert Papper again in their Hartfield home. Now, he conceals his criminal convictions from the couple and their children. However, Maureen did have uneasy feelings about him living in the household and thought that there was something about him that she didn't trust, um, called maternal instinct. Now, when Jebson buys sweets and treats and tries to get close to their eight-year-old daughter, that is when Rose... Uh, sorry, that is when Maureen 
speaks to her husband Robert um, explains that she doesn't feel comfortable with him being in the house she's not comfortable with how close that he's getting to Rosemary and they ask Jebson to leave and he doesn't take this too well now he left them but they, he left them with a, a final thought um, and a final thing saying I will do something that you will regret what a creepy fucker he is definitely like I wouldn't want like, my wind getting sweeties off Ronald Jebson Oh my god, see if I've seen any man just randomly give a kid sweeties, I, I just need to phone the police like right there now. I wouldn't go that far, but I, I, would. I, would, I would definitely be on the, who is, just, probably in the 70s as well, you're probably like, oh, that's cute, oh, in the van, eh, that's great, I'll drive him. Oh, the ice cream man's taking the way in for a ride. Like, where, it's just, <laughs> where it's just now, you're in the heightened, like, 2020, where you're like, is a guy getting you sweets, do you know him? Do you go around? What's I'll, in the sweets? Is that cocaine? I'll, is that taser, cocaine? I'll taser him. I'll taser him right now. <laughs> Shall we? It's my Sorry, 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 sorry. Just, just being safe for you. <laughs> I would love a taser. You would never be allowed a taser. I would mate, love a taser. You're a danger. Oh, like, what's that? Is that something? <laughs> mate, you, you don't know. I'm just patting my child up for skills. <laughs> taser the delivery guy. Steal the food. And you're like, oh, I'm only a winner here. Hardly, mate. I always pay for it before. Regime. That is so true. <gasps> I know what you do. Stop you'd, paying by cash? No, no, no. All you'd right. wait at the door before they get in the main door, tase them there, then say, no love the food, did you, mate? That is a genius idea. So, the story takes a horrible turn. Uh, on the afternoon of the 9th of June, 1974, Robert goes to collect his doll from her primary school. He asks the teacher where Rosemary is. He's told she's brown off by Uncle Ron. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. Unbeknown to Robert, Rosemary has been abducted by Jebson, who intends to carry out his chilling threat. Rosemary tries to risk Jebson's sexual assaults. Despite threatening violence, she doesn't give in. So he takes her to the birdwatching hide in some woods. He slaps her, hits her, trying to get her to quest. Eventually, she's raped by Jebson, strangled and killed by hay. He later admits in a... Interview against police, some truly horrific things. There's like a video on YouTube that you can go watch. Don't want to see what you're up to, but like it's truly horrible and like he's very creepy. Yeah, he says some pretty horrendous things about that young girl. Yeah, like he's a paedophile and a monster, so yeah, that would make entirely. He takes it too fucking far. He, again, like as you see, he's got like zero moles and he's a Creepy fucker. Like, a truly despicably creepy fucker. I thought you said zero moss, and I was like, what? Zero remorse. <laughs> zero moss? I was like, fuck, I'm not familiar with that. What the... You're half your tits sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, half your tits. Why? Kill? Then? Don't no, 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 no. Like, you, if you can not say back to that, and then just. No, no, I, I agree. There. I no, agree. Wholeheartedly. I wholeheartedly agree with your statement, kind sir. Yeah, like there's a few videos on YouTube of him getting interviewed by the police that capture him, like Brassy capture him when he's in prison, mm-hmm. and like it re essentially retells what happened, and like yeah. he's clearly using it to get some fucking reaction, reaction, and probably jack it off, and he said, "That's what he's gonna do." He's a dirty pedo. He's a dirty man. <laughs> he's a dirty man. <laughs> he's a dirty man. You got that? I should just communicate with the American audience. Uh, he's a dirty man. <laughs> so not satisfied, Jebson sets off for Rosemary's best friend, Michaela Oddwell. 
Now, Jebs and Hadby befriend their father purely for this reason, and what he does is he turns up to the family home, claiming that the car had broken down, and Michaela's father actually offers him to sleep on the sofa for the night. Now, he had blood on the middle of his jumper, and the dad asked what happened, Ron, and he just said, oh, I cut myself, and apparently that was a good enough reason. Now, Michaela's mother would later wash the jumper, unknowingly washing all Rosemary's blood, now, the next day, the eight-year-old Michaela was too ill to go to school and her mother said that she could stay off and while her mother was in the garden, Jebson actually attacks her and before the mum can come into the, the house, him, he actually stops, he puts 10p in her hand and says, if you ever tell anyone what I've been doing up here, I'll do exactly what I did to Rosemary. I strangled her, punched her, hit her and raped her and I'll do the fucking same to you. Just a few hours later, the police arrested Jebson for Rosemary's murder, and it may be many years before the petrified Michaela is able to repeat what Jebson did and said. Thank God the police got him. I think it's so tragic that Michaela's mum washed his jumper. Like, imagine how she must have felt when it came out that Rosemary had been murdered and things like that. Like, and I would hope they'd put it together. Anyway, oh my God. Like, surely the, the evidence was enough, I, like, both of them going, oh, he had blood in his jumper. It's not like the DNA back there anyway, so it wouldn't really matter. I oh, know, but like, can you imagine how they must have felt because they just thought he was a trusted friend and just, just done it and they were just being good people that day? Thank, like, can you imagine what happened if the police didn't catch him? Like, because he was clearly in a spiral, oh, so he would have went on committing more and more crimes until he was stopped. I know. Like, he was, he was pushed out at that point, uh, needing to kill him, period. He just kept going and going and going. And in that documentary we watched, like, Michaela said that she she never told anybody for years, literally years afterwards, and she, she said that she never ever felt the same afterwards. Because it's a, such a traumatic experience. It's horrible. So it was, makes complete sense what's happened. Also, like, again, back in the 70s, but the care wouldn't have been there for her either. Like, nah. it would probably be a stigma, if anything, against her, rather than a, you being, like, attacked. And you deserve help. Aye. It would have been a, oh, You've, you've done it with an older guy. Somehow, make, essentially, victim shaming. Big 70s, big fans of that. I think you would have been a great woman back in the 70s. I would have, man. I would have fought for my rights. Would you? I will burn my bra. Yep. Finally, the law had caught up with Ronald Jepson. In 1974, at St Albans Crown Court, Mr Justice Keith Jones sentenced Jepson to life and recommends he serve at least 20 years. He stated the mind recalled from the horror and the eminence of the offence he committed. The judge also noted that he could find no mitigating factors. There is no nothing either excuse or explain Jepson accents, is what the judge said, but weird that he said that. That he's simply dangerous. Weird it's very strange how the judge said as well, like he's simply dangerous and yeah. shouldn't be allowed out. Uh, Jepson wasn't finished tormenting the Papa family and that eventually brought about his downfall because Sociopaths are routinely arrogant, and I think yep. he's like a clearly like a case of that. Uh, for some reason, he waited several decades away before he tried to enact his revenge. I can only call it. I don't know why he's got revenge, he's the one that's committed the crimes and committed the horrible deeds. But just because he was thrown at the house, he decided to commit a horrible act. And then, so 20 years in his life sentence, Jefferson contacted police and said he had information about the deaths of Susan and Gary. Now, I know what you're thinking, who is Gary and Susan? Well, in order to tell you that story, we need to take you back to the 31st of March 1970, when two children, one named Susan Blatchford, aged 11, and the other named Gary Hanlon, aged 12, 
went missing near their homes in North London after going out to play. Now, the last time anyone recalls seeing them was around about half past four, and when they didn't return home that evening, their worried parents called the police. Now, at least 600 police officers interviewed more than 15,000 people and searched nearly 4,500 homes. Now, the police at the time did speak with a convicted paedophile on two occasions, but he said he had an alibi for the evening. This man's name was Ronald Jebson. On the 17th of June 1970, a man walking his dog near Epping Forest came across the bodies of two missing children. This was after 78 days of searching. The bodies were so badly decomposed that the coma was unable to find the cause of death and according to some, find an arm of Susan wrapped around Gary. The press got wind of this and tagged the story as the babes in the woods. The press speculated that the youngsters ran away together and claimed to have died of high failure as the children went out to play wearing light clothes, but the temperature fell below freezing that night and on the 1st of April, it's not. The children were all six miles away from their home when they were found. As Gary's mum, Beryl, said, we never went to bed for the whole of the 12 weeks. We just sat in the front room and kept the fire going. It's very tragic. Mm -hmm. When the bodies were found, it was detected Leonard Nipple Reed, the man who caught the grey ones. Mm -hmm. The suspected foul play, as Susan's clothes had been moved, the coroner, however, put this down to wildlife interfering with the bodies. Despite this, the other police officers at the time thought of this as a tragic string of events. So, the police also made a massive fuck up here as well. Tell me more. So, they had cadaver dogs to find bodies and also dogs to find people. Mm -hmm. But it was a wooded area, so the police just let the dogs off the leash to run into the forest. Right, so seeing the dogs find something, they sit down. So wait, they let their dogs off the leashes into the forest... To come back and not know if they found it because they were fucking outside the forest. Exactly. Because the dogs that have found it, because like Leonard Nipper Reed pointed this out, like he asked him, like, so what happened if the dog find the body? And the guy went, it's sit down. I said, how do you see that through here? And the guy went, oh. We, we can't see through the forest because we've yeah. not got superpowers. Exactly. So they clearly couldn't find the forest. They didn't search it properly. And then, amazing enough, the police resources were taken away. So they weren't allowed then to do it again. Because they'd said, oh, we've already done it. And it didn't come up again. What a shit show. Fucking disaster. Like, you've got to think to yourself, so you've clearly sent dogs into the forest. They could have found the bodies for all you fucking know. And you're out here, sitting. I get the impression of we sitting. We I get the impression <laughs> sitting in a chair, we had a donut and a cup of tea, just like, ugh, fucking 70s. Oh, the, the only thing you need to, to qualify as a police officer is a cracking moustache. Exactly. And some bell bottoms. Look at this pontash in my bell bottom. I thought they were the pedo thing. What? The bell bottoms. No, you're seeing the pot. Did everybody wear them? How yeah. would you pick yeah, out the they pedos? Were a, they were a fashion trend. <laughs> a fucking bell bottoms, man. Like, seem very sinister. So, fast forwarding to 1996 when Jebson makes a call to a detective from Wakefield Prison and claims to have information about who murdered Susan and Gary. Now, detectives bring him in for an interview, and at first he tries to actually put the blame on the of the murders on the two children, on Robert and Maureen Papa. What a piece of shit he is. Nice. Fucking piece of shit. Now, it took some time, but Chief Inspector Declan Donnelly of Scotland Yard eventually broke down the story, and after two and a half years of interviews conducted with Jebson, he made a full confession in 1998. Now, he admitted that he abducted both children, walked them into the forest, he started to try and sexually assault Susan, 
And at this point, Gary, being the good friend that he was, tried to defend Susan, um, but Jefferson actually knocked him out. Now, he continued to sexually assault Susan and then strangled her, and after this, he continued to do the same to Gary. Now, after this, he placed both bodies together in a hide, which he'd already built in the forest. Now, when asked why he made the confessions, like, sorry, confessions almost 30 years later, he simply said that he felt he would be dying soon and didn't want the deaths on his conscience. Don't believe that for a fucking second. Fucking like, load of shit, man. Absolutely. Just getting a rise out of it. Yep. That was it. Yep. Like, nothing about that at all. Now, in May of 2000, Jebson was sentenced to two more life sentences for the murders of Susan Blanchard and Gary Hanlon. And Susan's mum, Muriel, said, I was working in the afternoon and remember being in such a rush that I never got to kiss her goodbye, she said. Can you imagine that? I never got to kiss her goodbye. That is so tragic. Yeah. So tragic and heartbreaking. Like she Shouldn't shouldn't have had to go through that. Never need to happen. Never need to happen. Now, um, I think as of, I think it was April 2015, Jebson actually passed away. Might have been early in 2015. I I wouldn't say passed away. I'd like to say like, died in agony. That'd be nice. As of, we speculate, April 2015, because I didn't really feel like it was noble enough to write it down. That piece of shit... (laughs) Died. That piece of shit died of some. Um, I think it was cancer or something. No, it was kidney failure. Kid- kidney failure. Um, Who gives a shit? Yeah, something not me. Not me at all. Yeah. But anyway, he died. So that's all that really matters. So yeah, that's the. That's the story. Like pretty tragic. Sad yeah. one to start off, but then all crime is pretty sad. Yeah. Well, was exactly a funny one. Yeah, that was not. But I hope you enjoyed the story. Uh, yeah, keep looking for the next podcast. It's yeah, been great. Uh, guys, go to our Insta page, Kellen and Kellen, Chillin? Kellen and Kellen and Kellen podcast. Chillin, Chillin, and Kellen and Kellen. Oh, hello. Side podcast, the Chillin and Kellen podcast, guys. Please like, leave any reviews and any ratings. That would be absolutely great. Feedback would be much welcome because we're just starting out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.